Well, hello and welcome. And I hope you're excited today because I'm excited because we have a uh, great guest joining us today and a lot to talk about. Uh, of course, my name is Guy Stevens. I'm the founder and executive director of the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraint. Uh, if you're not familiar with us, uh, began the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraint about three years ago, uh, beginning around this idea that we wanted to reduce and eliminate the use of restrained seclusion in schools around the country. Uh, and of course, our mission continues to grow. We don't want to see anyone being restrained or secluded anywhere. Uh, but beyond that, we really want to work to improve the way that kids and youth are supported, especially when it comes to behavior. We find a lot of kids are uh, having a lot of things done to them in the name of behavior that are having really uh, poor outcomes. So we want to better work with and support children and youth. Uh, we want to see safer schools for students, teachers, and staff. Uh, we really want to do all we can to uh, make the world a better place, right? Uh, so I'm really excited today to have our guest with us, uh, Dr. Mona Delahook. Uh, if you've been following the Alliance for any time, you probably know that we are uh, big fans of Dr. Delahook's work. Uh, Mona's going to be joining us today to talk about her brand new book, uh, and I know many of you have probably uh, ordered it already. Uh, and the book, of course, I need to hold it up in front of the camera here, is called Brain and Body Parenting, How to Stop Managing Behavior and Start Raising Joyful, uh, Resilient Kids. Uh, fantastic book. We're, of course, going to be taking questions during the interview. So I'm going to be asking Mona some questions. We're going to be having a conversation. And Mona and I can just kind of ramble on <laughs> a long time having conversations. But I want to invite you as the audience to put your questions in the chat. Uh, we'd like to um, you know, hear from you. Uh, and on that note, I'd love you even now just to put in who you are and where you're from. Uh, it's always exciting to see where people are joining us from. Do want to remind you that, as always, uh, we are recording this uh, session today. This will be available after the fact as a uh, video on YouTube, on Facebook, and we also make it available as an audio podcast. So with all of that, let me get to the uh, the really exciting part here. Uh, I want to go ahead and introduce uh, my, my friend, uh, Dr. Mona Della Hook. And Dr. Della Hook is a licensed clinical psychologist um, with more than 30 years of experience, uh, which means that you started when you were about three, I believe, right? Five and a half. That's right. That's right. Uh, caring for children and their families. Uh, you're a senior faculty member at the Profectum Foundation, an organization dedicated to supporting families of neurodiverse children, adolescents, and adults. Uh, you hold the highest level of endorsement in the field of infant and toddler mental health in California as a reflective practice mentor. Uh, you are, of course, a frequent speaker, uh, trainer, and consultant. Uh, I was lucky enough to uh, take some of your training previously. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, I think it should be required training probably. You know, I, I initially would say for every teacher, for every parent, you know, I could probably keep adding the everys on there. Um, and, you know, of course, you do a lot of work with with schools and public agencies and, and parents. And, you know, really, you are um, dedicated to promoting compassionate relationship-based uh, neurodevelopmental interventions for children uh, with developmental, uh, behavioral, emotional, and, and learning differences. Uh, you know, I would go on to say that um, I, I can say this in full sincerity. You are one of my favorite people on this planet. Uh, and, and, you know, I would say to you that the compassion and uh, the science that you bring together and all that you do um, is truly making, I think, a difference for for kids and for youth and for families uh, all across the world. Of course, you're the, the author of uh, another of my favorite books, uh, Beyond Behavior. And uh, that was, uh, I think, the, the book that I first was introduced to some of your work. And what amazed me was how you took some of this complicated science and made it approachable 
and made it so that people could understand and apply it uh, oh, in ways yeah. to better support children. So that book, of course, has been foundational, one that not only have I probably bought uh, bought copies to give away, um, but, uh, you know, recommend it to, to many people. And, uh, you know, of course, we're going to be talking about your brand new book here in a second. Um, but you've done a, a lot of work. You've got a, a really popular website as well, mononadellahook.com, and you cover a lot of topics there that are always really interesting. So this, oh, okay. I believe, is your third time back, but you and I got to do something together just a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to be doing something together again next week. So yes. always a pleasure, Mona. Again, um, really appreciate your, um, you know, your time and you joining us today. Well, it's always a pleasure for me. And, um, you know, doing this kind of work and trying to make the world a safer place for our children isn't possible uh, without people like you. And so I'm just so grateful that we met. And there's so much to do. Absolutely. <laughs> there's so much to do. And Absolutely. Children yeah. are still suffering. So that's right. That's um, right. Yeah. It's a joy to be able to join you. And, um, we could, you're right. We could talk about this, about different things all day long, but so. Absolutely. Um, and, and for some reason you're, you're froze there for a second. So and hopefully... and, um, second book. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Mona. I, I had you frozen there for a second and it could have been oh, okay. me or, or, or it could have been you. Uh, you know, sometimes things happen on the internet, but of course yeah. we're here today to really talk about you know, your new book, uh, Brain and Body Parenting, you know, wow. how to stop managing behavior and start raising joyful and resilient kids. And I'm sure at this point you've done a lot of uh, interviews and a lot of work to to spread the word about this this book. Uh, so mm -hmm. I appreciate you joining us to, to talk about it here and talk about um, really kind of what this book is and, and why you did it. But before we get there, I gave, of course, a little bit of your bio, but the, the piece that I think... Um, that that isn't in your bio that yeah. really is always interesting about your story is kind of how you got to where you are. And really what I'm talking about is, is how you kind of went through what you went through in terms of, of getting your education and, and doing the work that you were doing, but how you took this turn in pivoting to the work that you're doing uh, related to kind of the brain science and all that. So I wonder if you might just tell us a very brief version of kind of how Mona Della Hook is is where you are and kind of went, what you went to to get there. Hmm. Well, <laughs> well, you know, that's such a great and loaded question. You know, like how far back do I go? <laughs> do I go back to uh, my mother's pregnancy with me <laughs> or, or, you know, being the firstborn child of immigrant parents or, or here's a good one, um, being a, uh, being mute as a child. I was sent for psychological testing when I was five years old because I couldn't talk outside of my own home. I was mute at school. I couldn't talk, you know? And so my, my, my background, I think, um, set me up for a life of exploration. Um, the, the behaviors that I had as a child um, were really an indication of how I was experiencing the world. So it didn't, it doesn't surprise me that I went into the field of psychology when I, when I found out once I, once I got over my, my fear of speaking in, in public, um, in school, like junior year of college, um, I, 
I realized I found out about this field, you know, this field of psychology and why do people do what they do? Right. And I just, it was such a perfect fit. I went straight through and got a PhD when, you know, when I was 26. And so, yeah, so, so that was a deep dive. Um, the and I actually learned some things about you I didn't know already. So, <laughs> oh, did you know I I was had I was you know selectively or electively mute as a child? Have no, I? No, no, I, I I don't believe I did, but I, you oh, know m- maybe I did at some point. But <laughs> yeah, oh wow. Well, I haven't written about it in either of the books. Maybe okay, that okay. would be in, in another one. But yeah. I was thinking about my history the other day, and and I really do think it started really young. Mm-hmm. Um. I, you know, when you are a highly sensitive individual, you know, there's these words highly, uh, you know, HSP, highly sensitive person that got codified in uh, research um, and and some great books. But I realized I was, I took, I soaked in the environment and I just wanted to know as much as I could. But when I felt, when I, after I graduated with a PhD in psychology and um, a very much knowledge and attachment theory, which I loved, you know, that the, the, the idea that humans need each other and they need mm-hmm. nurturing and all that. I had a lot of education, um, you know, going in to real life, um, the world isn't set up to truly understand, um, stress and trauma in the way that cap is captured, by what came to be my real education. And that was when I became an infant mental health specialist and dove into the body, you know, the nervous system, the Mm -hmm. body, the body's reaction to being human. We are wired to seek safety Mm -hmm. on a subconscious level as human beings. There's no controversy about that. We are hardwired to seek safety. And that seeking safety is is demonstrated through how we move our bodies. And as you know, um, with Beyond Behaviors, once I um, once I, I had an understanding of the human stress response and what it looked like, and then ended up in hundreds and hundreds of IEPs and school situations where I saw children really being either diagnosed or given a diagnosis or a label such as a conduct disorder, oppositional defiance. um, Oh, or maybe that's something related to autism, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like some inappropriate label given to human behaviors that I knew were stress responses that started um, this idea that uh, it's, we have a gap in our understanding of human suffering in our children And um, it's not that we, you know, the evidence is is really coming out in neuroscience rather than specific studies, because there are a lot of studies that looked at how you modify behaviors Mm -hmm. and you can modify behaviors. You can modify behaviors in animals and in humans. Um, That's not really the point. The point is now that we understand trauma and we understand the purposes of movement in the human body, maybe we can talk about what those movements mean. Um, But, you know, like children being 
being um, restrained or secluded for mm -hmm. having those types of behaviors that are very desperate, safety-seeking behaviors. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about the the work that you did in in Beyond Behaviors, and you know, I, you know, having heard you spoken before and, and being involved in, in some of the training you did, you know, I know that you kind of went through this portion of your career where you began to question things and began to, you know, kind of as you mentioned, the curiosity, and you know, the prevailing approaches that were being taken. Uh, to behaviors, we're, we're really solely focused on the behaviors and changing the behaviors. And when you came out with Beyond Behaviors, it was really kind of this deep dive into the science of behavior and looking beyond, of course, the behaviors. Yeah. You know, because so often the temptation is, Here, here's what's happening, here's what I want to stop, and here's what I'm going to do, stop it. And, and people assuming that all behavior is a choice and that, you know, if, if you if you would make different choices or if you would try harder. And of course, your work took the work of people like Dr. Stephen Porges and the polyvagal theory and, and uh -huh. explained that work to the, the fact that, you know, uh, not all behaviors are a matter of choice, that kind of the top down and bottom up behaviors right. and, and really began to, you know, I mean, you know, I think that that the the work that you were doing was really about shifting that paradigm from all behaviors intentional and needs to be controlled to what's the importance of understanding trauma and connection and compassion, oh. uh, and and you did that beautifully in in wow. Beyond Behaviors, and you know I think that that book, um, you know, is a really valuable tool to a lot of people, and again through your experience, you were in IEP meetings and working with with children. Um, but moving to the new book, Brain and Body Parenting, you've kind of taken a lot of that ideology and, and applied it to, to parenting. And, and I think that's really important because, uh, you know, thinking about some of the challenges that are happening in schools and in other settings, um, wow, there's an opportunity for us even as parents to begin applying better things. I think you know, my kids now are... Uh, Cooper is, is 16, Audrey is 12. Um, but I think back to not that long ago, all of the parenting advice that I got. And with where I am today, I would say that a lot of that advice was not very good advice. And I was talking to a young mother recently who was kind of in that same crossfire of getting all of this advice. Um, but there's still, I think, a lot of bad advice out there in terms of parenting. So what I guess the first question, thinking about brain and body parenting, what inspired you to do a book really targeting parents? Um, well, let me start there. What, what inspired you to do a, a parenting book? Well, it was in my, in my pocket as my dream book. Like I wanted to write a book that, that was, had a lot of the, um, you know, the, the, groundwork that I put out in Beyond Behaviors. Mm -hmm. And um, when I, I, when I wrote Beyond Behaviors, I didn't know, you, when you write a book, you just don't know if it's really making sense to you right, and, right. and only you and maybe your friends and family and your mother. Um, but the, oh my gosh, the tidal wave of parents write emailing me and messaging me and, and really saying I can kind of breathe a sigh of relief because now I'm hearing someone that understands me that mm -hmm. may not have ever heard that before, say from their well-meaning 
school district or teacher, <laughs> right? Um, that was so satisfying. And I just realized that, you know, in a private practice, you can you can only see so many families, right? It's you can you can see several families a day, and and but but the ability to write and to reach um, reach a, a wider range of of support is is in a book so much. It just has it's just so satisfying. So it was in my back pocket. But what really inspired me to write it was the COVID lockdown because I had. 15 conferences that were canceled or went virtual. And all of a sudden I had all these travel plans canceled and tons of time to write. And I wrote nonstop for nine months, like eight hours a day. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. And it was fun um, because it, this is the kind of stuff I just want. I think I want the public to understand, to know what, um, what isn't, necessarily like an opinion, but what is grounded about what we really know about how humans develop right. and the, like the research on how do humans develop self-regulation, meaning the ability to be, be in the world and face what may come your way. And that literature is very, very grounded in relationships, <laughs> science of relationships. So yeah, so I wrote it to have a book that was um, that kind of covered um, soup to nuts, and uh, from birth to through about middle school, early middle school, and uh, then the uh, I was going to write it in a few years, but the pandemic lockdown gave me the opportunity to write it now. Um, well, and and you know, I mean that that's one of those silver linings, right? I mean, you know, there have been there have been things about the pandemic that. Um, you know, have been absolutely horrible and, and lots of lives have been affected in, in very negative ways. But there have been some of these silver linings where, you know, I think your, your book is really a gift to to so many. Uh, and, and these are times that need a science driven, compassionate approach to uh, to helping kids. These are these are difficult times for for us as parents, for children, for everyone. And, and there's so much to be gained from your approach. Uh, that I think the the timing couldn't have been more meaningful uh, in in doing this work, and, and really appreciate you know what you've done. Um, I know that you were doing a lot of research for the book, and you know some of that research was putting out um, you know things on social media and, and asking for yeah. you know. So how did you do your research? What did you learn during that research when you were beginning to to think about the book? Well, it's it is so fun um, to put out a question and have hundreds of people respond right away. It's just so satisfying. Back in the day, you know, when you when you did that kind of um, qualitative research, you know, like like surveys and studies like that. Back in the day, you'd have to mail things or you know send out emails and consents and everything. But on social media, there's implied. Con consent and people love to share with you. Right. So that combined with um, all the parents um, in my practice that I've seen over, over the, you know, the decades, these questions, I, I kind of um, categorized the recurring questions, you know, and, and it was so fun to write the book with 
the community, like with what my face, the Facebook community is very active and uh, uh, incredible. Some of them, some of you are on here now, like Beth Tolly, <laughs> you know, our friends are so, you know, they, they helped me write the book. And um, the other thing, the other thing that I'm thinking of that came out during the book and after as well, because, oh my goodness, there's been some um, great uh, spinoffs to the book. Like there was an article in the New Yorker um, mm-hmm. that talked, that put my book uh, up front and they were, she, the author was nice about the book, but the, but the article was really saying, what is gentle parenting, you know, and is it, mm-hmm. is it raising a bunch of kids that are with permissive parenting? And so it's, it, and then that jumped to a, a conversation on NPR about what is, is gentle parenting a thing? And so this has allowed me to actually realize that there's so much confusion and noise out there mm-hmm. about is there a right parenting, a correct in air quotes, parenting style? Mm-hmm. And what I, what I'm so excited about with, you know, with, with this, with, with this, with this, my latest baby here is that there isn't a right parenting style. I mean, the research to, you can't, you couldn't do a clinical study on the right parenting style because it would be too complex, but what is, what is right um, in my mind is what is going to work? What tool or technique in this moment is going to work for this child, depending on where their nervous system is and where your nervous system is as a parent and what they need in the moment. So brain-body parenting kind of covers, it hovers above all the techniques and it draws from those great tools that we have from the different strands like mindful parenting and conscious parenting and (laughs) positive parenting, but it actually also helps you customize your parenting to the child's need and to your need in real time. And I think that's, uh, the, um, that's, I think that's why the, uh, it got, um, it got noticed by like the big idea club, the next big idea club, because it's more customizing parenting right, and right. associating with a given parenting style, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. And, and, you know, that was actually one of the points that, um, you know, when, when I read the book and uh, you know, that there was no single path to parenting every child, yeah. you know, that was the, the point that you made. And you kind of talked about this unique brain and body platform was the, the word that you were using um, and, and how that required an individual approach. And of course, parenting should be individualized, right? No two individuals are the same, but, but very often our approaches become that way, uh, become there's a one size fits all. And, you know, I love the, um, and again, you know, while there may not be one path, I think there's a lot of principles. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I love the, some of the principles that I think that you bring into this, which is the importance of understanding the brain and the importance of understanding a child's nervous system, the importance of understanding uh, the need for safety and connection and and all of these things that, that you talk about in the book and you talked about in beyond behaviors and how kids need to feel, you know, connected to, to be able to thrive. I think those are all such important principles. I mean, to me, one of the, the, the revelations that I've had more and more (laughs) over the years is just the importance of treating children like people, you know, um, you know, if, if I would not do what I'm doing, you know, to um, you, I, I shouldn't be doing it to a, a child. Right. 
Um, and, and, you know, I think often there are a lot of very punitive approaches out there that do do a lot of harm. So to talk to me a little bit about this idea of the platform, uh, this brain and body platform, what, what, do you, what are you really getting at with that? And, and how does the platform then uh, determine how you support the child? Yeah, what you do, what you do in the moment. So the platform, which is a shorthand for the nervous system, because we're never just a brain or a body, you know, it's not, it's, 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 it's connected. There's been, you know, a, a lot of interest in the brain, of course, since the decade of the brain of the 90s, we, we, there was all that great research on the brain, but the brain's never, the brain's getting its operating instructions from the feedback from the body. So think about the platform as where something is landing in in a child, in an individual. So if you have, if your first question is, what's the strength of the platform? How is that brain body doing, uh, both in ourselves and in the child? But let's just say you have a child who's uh, refusing to leave the park, and you say, okay, it's you know, it's time to go home, and it's a, maybe a five-year-old. It's time to go home, and they're like, you know no, I'm not going to go home. And that their, their face is red and mm -hmm. they are, they are gritting their teeth. And here's where we have an opportunity to ask a different question other than, is this child misbehaving or not? Or do they need me to just, you know, give them some discipline is what is the strength of the platform? A child who is normally um, cooperative and who's, you know, who, you know, is, is, a, is, a, is a good kid, um, is in a, if that platform is shaky, meaning their stress response is in control, they are not able to meet that demand in that mm -hmm. moment, mm -hmm. you know, because their platform is shaky. If we say, okay, what's the platform strength? If it's shaky, then we go to, another direction, which is away from discipline and towards, okay, how do we stabilize the platform enough to have us get to the car without a huge scene and a cost to the body budget, which is another phrase in the book, <laughs> the actual body buzz budget, Lisa Feldman Barrett's work, that we have something called allostasis. It's the homeostasis in our physical body <laughs> that our body budget a kid who can't leave the park, but knows, you know, the rules may have a depleted body budget and there's not enough resources for them to be able to comply. So then our technique becomes adding a little deposit. We don't become, we're not permissive. We're not letting the child run the show. We're just recognizing, oh, at this moment, I'm going to sit and hang out with the child for a second and just resonate with this is a big ask, right, buddy. Right. this is a big ask buddy and do a tiny little deposit. And they'll say, yeah, I don't really want to leave the park. And then you're, you're, you're off to the races because they're talking to you. <laughs> so um, I don't even know what your question was, but Oh, the platform. Yeah. That's so right. it's, the, plaf the platform, the body budget in chapter one, those are kind of some of the big ideas that I, right. that right. I put in there that if you mm -hmm. understand your child's and your own body, you're actually going to be able to understand their psychology better. Mm -hmm. One of the things I, I love that you did with this book is that a lot of parenting books 
cover you know, the first three to 12 months, right? Uh, they, they don't cover much after that. And, you know, I love the way this book was uh, kind of put together uh-huh. in, in really covering a journey. Now, we didn't get quite as far as Beth wanted. Beth, Beth said, when is the uh, the book on teenagers coming out? And and, and that may be oh, something. Yeah. <laughs> but that you know, is the book, right? That right, is the book. right, 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 right. Right. Um, but you, you certainly covered the, the, the journey. And, yeah. you know, it, as I was reading it again, um, um, you know, kind of thinking back to my own experiences as a father, um, you know, I kept coming back to this idea, like, I wish I had that this then. Uh, oh. and in fact, I, I recently sent a cop, well, actually I recently sent two copies out, uh, to parents and, and young parents that I thought would, would benefit from it. But one of the things that I love in your work. And again, that you do in this book is you are compassionate to parents. You understand the difficulty involved in, in parenting, but you also make the point for them of their, the importance of their own brain and body platform and how they must be well-regulated and adjusted. Can you talk a little bit about that? The importance of, of kind of the parent and the, the need to be compassionate to yourself as well. Yeah. It's, it's linked to the, the uh, understanding that nervous systems calm each other down. And I, we, we have to not look at that as, a, as a, another deal of pressure or guilt for parents, because I think one of the things that came out through the pandemic, and even recently, there's a big study that came out um, this week that parents are still feeling burned out. There are, there are so many parents that are suffering still. They imagine what everyone went through. Mm-hmm. The dual role of teaching and working from home or whatever iteration you, were, you, were, you found yourself in. Um, that idea that we matter and the stress level that parents carry um, and the lack of support that parents feel um, is, is something that I devoted a whole chapter on mm-hmm. because the transmission of regulation, the transmission is improved when you feel okay. So there's a good chance that your child will feel better if you're feeling better. And again, it's not meant to put pressure on parents, but just to let us understand that we matter. Our stress loads, our body budgets matter. And the uh, the primary researcher on, one great researcher, um, Sunia Luther on on mothers, she, she did this study and wrote, who mothers mommy and just found that the that the um support level for for moms in particular but i think also for dads too is not sufficient and think about single parents and parents who are mm-hmm. who are who are just trying to get food on the table um yeah it's 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 a big deal um so i in it but in that chapter literally it's you know a few seconds to hours. So it only takes a few seconds to try to find ways to calm your nervous system down. So I really didn't want it to be like, oh no, here's another thing I have to do. But I can take a second and maybe make myself feel better through 
a shift maybe in a thought or a shift in a breath or a mm-hmm. shift in where I put my feet or feel my back against the chair. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's ways we can shift our body. And um, yeah, I was talking to a mom yesterday and she said something like, oh, I wasn't very brain body today. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, I let I let my child um, have an extra 20 minutes uh, on the iPad watching uh, Coco Melon. <laughs> I'm like, good for you. That is brain body. That was self-compassion. Right, right, so, right, right. right. And I was like, that, is in, that is in the book. There is no right way to do it. If you need to get through that hour and you put your child on a little sweet little cartoon, it's not going to wreck your child. Right, we have right. to give ourselves this breathing room to know that our children are pretty robust mm-hmm. and um, they're we're, we we have to give ourselves leeway as parents. Yeah, so absolutely. if you're a parent right now, be gentle on yourself. It's the best thing you can do for your for your child if you take care of yourself. Of it's your such, such, such an important point. Uh, I, I know we're we're getting to about time. I promise you today that we, that we would try to keep things short um, because I know you've got another obligation. But oh. if anybody has a question uh, that's in the chat, you know, feel free to put that in, and we'll try to get the one or two. Uh, I'm going to ask you uh, a question, and we'll see if we get any other questions here. Um, but we do have to wrap up here shortly. Um, and, and, you know, I know you've talked about the, the book and talked about the journey um, probably uh, to a number of folks now. Um, anything, um, anything, you know, uh, tell, tell me something that, um, you know, surprising or maybe something you haven't shared before about the book or, or maybe what your, what your hope is for the book. Hmm. Well, um, actually, what's, what surprised me um, is what's happening and i and it's it's kind of fun it's opening up a new conversation um it's kind of i think it's invigorated the conversation about is there a correct parenting style and i'm you know i think that's a great it's 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 controversial it gets people talking um but it also helps highlight um, that just as in our education system, we have focused on behavior management mm-hmm. in the parenting, the see, I've, I've, um, I've been in the professional world for, for a long time. And this, the parenting world's interesting. It's, it's kind of a, its own, its own, um, system in a way. And in the parenting world, I am finding that there is this also this tendency to, to think that there's only one way to do things. And so I'm delighted that people are now talking. I'm, I was delighted that, um, you know, uh, the, the people at NPR thought that the question about is gentle, what is gentle parenting was worthy of a whole hour. And um, I, I was on there with uh, Mercedes Samudio, who is an, an incredible um, therapist and parenting um, expert to talk about like what we're really talking about is so many different things, but that is leading to for many of us breaking intergenerational patterns that of parenting that 
we may we may be trying to not do what maybe happened to us as parents. Mm-hmm. And then many people also may have had trauma in their background. So okay. this whole idea is so powerful on how we can do better, but at the same time, having so much self-compassion and understanding that there is no way to do parenting perfectly. And I have a lot of parents who've had really rough histories who are trying so hard to not make any mistakes. And for those parents, I want to say there is so much to to um, hope to have because our, you don't just have one chance. Right. Our children are always, our brains are always updating to predict new things. And so that's why self-compassion is a big part of the book and that it's research-based. So it actually improves our physical and mental health. Yeah. You know, I I hear you. And I think that's really important because I know, you know, my life, it's been about doing better as I've known better learning and and, and trying to do better along the way. But I I read your, your uh, book and I briefly, and and you can't tell anybody this, although we're, we're broadcasting live. (laughs) What would it be like to have another child? Like knowing what I know now, what, 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 you know, and and almost like in this inspirational moment, not that I want to have any more children and and my children are are wonderful and and perfect, but um, you know, you really do think like, Oh, wow. What would I do differently? I mean, you know, I remember a lot of the bad advice out there. I do want to take one question and then I'll let you, uh, okay. let you go. I have to respond got... to what you just said, okay. because I, guy, I'm doing it right now. No, I did not have another child. And well, I did that's not... what I'm trying to ask here. This is big news. I want to take it on, on, on the podcast. Nobody knew before, right? <laughs> I didn't have another child. I did not adopt another child, even though I, I have thought about that a long time. But I um, actively, like, in a parenting village of my granddaughter. And so from birth on, I am in, now. now that I have integrated the information, because I didn't with my own children, let's just say it's, mm-hmm. it's and it's never perfect, but I'm right. experiencing what it's like to put some of these principles into place as a person who's not the parent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that just may be the topic of my next book because toddlers are so fun and delightful if you if you know what you're looking at. And now I know what I'm looking at. And toddlerhood is a joy. It is nothing I feared. All the stuff that I, that drove me nuts with my own children that my granddaughter is doing now are a piece of cake. So stay tuned for that. So anyone in the area where you live can, can drop off their, their young children (laughs) so that you can do more. (laughs) Just bring them here. It's a joy. That's right. That's right. Um, So one quick question and then I will let you go. I promise. Uh, We had a question here. Any advice for getting uh, our kids teachers on the same page? Uh, besides gifting them your book. And of course, gifting them a book is always a good idea. But um, any other thoughts? Uh, yeah, my heart goes out to teachers. Um, okay, so if you if you look at the principles of neurodevelopment, of, of relational uh, safety, of how we how we how we are meant to be in safe in groups, we can easily realize that one teacher with 30 kids you know, that is asking, that is asking teachers to burn through their body budget so fast to even try to, to, to take care of half the kids in the class. Right. And those are the easy ones. So what can we do? I think, first of all, just 
thanking the teachers and 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 helping them know that we realize how how much they're doing for our kids just to build relationships with teachers and then i think we can use our platforms we can use our platforms as parents on social media and other places to get more support for parents because they're getting being asked to do the impossible um and i'm hoping that um that my books will help when when administrators and policymakers realize, and it's not just my books, it's people like Bruce Perry and mm-hmm. you know Dan and T- Dan Siegel, Tina Bryson, and and uh, Bessel van der Kolk, all every, and Stephen Porges, of course, and Lisa Feldman Barrett. So people who really have are are studying the cutting edge of development are telling us that there's no two ways around taking care of the caregivers. So we need to pay teachers more. We need to get more warm bodies in the classroom to help them and um, and not pretend like it's just change in their mind shift. They're, we've got to protect their platforms too. So, but yeah, feel free to gift them the books as well. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. Well, listen, I want to thank you so much, uh, not only for being here today, but you know, for for taking the time and and you know, um, you know, writing the 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 books that you've uh, written and all of the things that you do to share your talents and, and gift with the world. Uh, you know, I know that you are frequently presenting and, and teaching and, and doing amazing things. So, Mona, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much, Guy. I'm so happy to be here, and I just want to also uh, remind people and plug the um, the event uh, next week that you are presenting through the Alliance uh, Against Occlusion and Restraint on the 13th, on May 13th, right? It's a full day event. Uh, it's May 11th. I'm sorry, May 11th. Yeah, sorry, sorry. May 11th. um, I will be there with you uh, in the middle of the day. And this is going to be, if you are interested in or have exposure to or know people who are, um, need to find out more about the incidence of seclusion or restraint, please join us next um, Wednesday, the 11th. That will be a really powerful day. And um, there are scholars, some, maybe the scholarships are, are gone already, but join us. It'll be, Guy is, Guy is doing such a, an amazing job of getting the word out there that um, we can stop doing those things that we know cause toxic stress and trauma for our kids and for Absolutely. our teenagers. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Mona. I, I, you you beat me to us. I was I was going to uh, talk about the event, and I'm so glad to have you do it. Oh, good. Uh, I, I'll let, you go. Well, I'll, I can go, and then you can continue talking about it. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. <laughs> well, thank you so much, and I'll look forward to seeing you uh, next week. And uh, from then on, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Take care, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, so uh, again, I hope everybody enjoyed our uh, interview today. I uh, did want to let you know that we do have that event coming up next week. So uh, Mona kind of uh, beat me to it, but I hope you can join us. Uh, and as always, want to thank you for making time out of your day to uh, join us for today's special event. We have another event coming up in two weeks, and I don't have the promo for that available today, uh, but I'll be sharing that on uh, Facebook and social media here shortly. So uh, as always, uh, take care, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again very soon. Thanks. Bye-bye.